Welcome everyone to the Inspired Jewish Woman podcast, a place to come together to meet other passionate Jewish women from around the globe. We here value unity and we come together from different backgrounds, places and stages in life. We focus on what unites us being a Jewish woman. We believe that every woman has a beautiful and unique light to shine to our community and to the world. In these podcast interviews, we find the light in others, and we learn from everyone. These are the topics that matter most to you and empower you to be the inspired Jewish woman that you want to be. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, and welcome back to another installment of our Inspired Jewish Woman Weekly Podcast. Today, I have two wonderful ladies with me coming from Chicago, Ali, an old friend of mine, and her sister, Sarah Cohen. So we have Ali Began and Sarah Cohen coming to us and share with us a little bit about what you're doing. You're doing something new and exciting, and we want to hear about it. Thanks, Eve. We're so happy to be here with you. I think I speak for us both that you have the best energy and we're so excited to partner with you in this. Just very honored and excited. Sarah, do you want to start and talk about what we're doing? I can give a little bit of background. Allie and I have been living in the same area, but kind of occupying different spaces in terms of professionally what we've been doing. So for the past 20 years, Allie's been in Jewish education, and she can talk a little bit more about that. And I have been in the senior care space, working with people who have dementia, working with their families, working with people in the sandwich generation. Allie, you can talk more about your journey, but mine really throughout the process of working with people that I've just described, it's always been my passion to kind of work with helping people navigate in that process and really helping people look at what's driving them and how to shift priorities and set boundaries. And that's really been the work that was rewarding for me. So about a year ago, I decided to kind of pursue this journey in a different way through life coaching. And that's kind of just opened up a whole world for me. I think it's just incredibly powerful. And we'll talk about that today, how we can help people and guide people in the process of kind of thinking about how they want to live in this next chapter of our life. The group that I had been focused on is midlife, people who are sort of in the precipice of looking at what comes next for me. And let's just open up a conversation about what that is, what's midlife and why we've chosen to work with this population. Well, I just want to jump in and tell you, I love this sister duo that both of you are in your midlife chapter. You're in it, if you're living it and you're completely living your truth, I'm seeing how at this stage of your life, you're starting this new chapter with so much excitement and passion. Like you are living examples of what you're trying to help other women do. Like this is the beginning of your life. Like this is the best chapter yet and it's exciting and I kind of want to be a part of it. (laughs) Yeah, that's such an important observation. It really is. It's such a personal journey and I think that that's what we both recognize, that we're both not only embracing working with people in this journey, but we are in this journey. This is our journey and it's been such a process of self-discovery for me and I feel the growth in myself and that's what I want to kind of share with other people and open up possibilities because I know how it can change one's life. Yeah, well, it makes it just so much more authentic coming from you guys in this stage. I want to hear a little bit from Ali. Just jump in and tell us a little bit about where you're coming in from. With pleasure. I just want to echo what the two of you said. First of all, it was incredibly liberating to niche ourselves and finally embrace one area of life coaching and say, this is it. And the fact that it was where we came from 
we're just growing where we're planted. We're going through our own process. And it's through that very process that we can create the energy of growth and vitality through coaching women in midlife. So I've been a life coach for years, but I could never quite prune. I'll take a little of this, a little of that, and I could never really niche. But at the same time, I wasn't really in midlife yet. I'm 50 years old now, and I had my first grandchild, and there were many different life changes. And I just want to like share the energy and emotion of niching in women in midlife is mm -hmm. so exciting to us. You know, I think where I'd like to take this, if it's good with everybody, is what midlife is. It's a misunderstood term. It's a misunderstood stage. And I'd like to speak about why. Maybe you guys can use this when you meet people. You can use this. I don't know if it's a joke or a truth, or I'm not sure what it is, but two years ago, I made a call to a mentor of mine, a very wise woman living in Seattle. And I said to her, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I was on the verge of quitting my job. I needed something new. I felt like I haven't really hit that thing yet. Like, what is it? Like, what does God want from me? What is my purpose, right? Everyone thinks, Eve, you know what your purpose is. But I was really struggling. And she says to me, well, how old are you, Eve? And I said, 38. She said, you're right on track for your midlife crisis. <laughs> so I didn't know if I should laugh or cry. I was like, you're serious? And here I was, I was grappling. I guess you could take it in two directions. You could yeah. go down the regular, this is my midlife crisis, or this is an amazing opportunity mm -hmm. in front of me. Like something mm -hmm. exciting is changing and I'm feeling it yeah. in my kishkin. So tell right. us two roads lay before us. It's so very true. Like we really have such a great deal of choice, but I think first of all, let's just say that everybody associates midlife with its guilt by association partner crisis, midlife and crisis. They kind of go together. It was largely created by certain intellectuals and writers, many of whom were Jewish. So thanks guys. <laughs> but it was sort of popularized in our culture in the 60s and 70s, the midlife crisis. And in fact, it doesn't have to be a crisis, but at the same time, it's incredibly important to understand that things are going on underneath the surface in midlife. So while it doesn't have to be a grasping at youth, an existential fear of death, you know, a, the red convertible, you know, it doesn't have to be the stereotypical expressions. It's so critical to understand what's going on under the surface in midlife. I think what I'd like to do is just paint a very simple but powerful picture of the developmental stage called midlife. Now, first of all, it is a developmental stage. And even just knowing that it's an actual separate stage in adult development is incredibly important. There are some theories of adult development which begin at 25, when your frontal cortex is fully developed, until 65. So if any of you have a 25-year-old, you will know that you are not like your 25-year-old. So it's so important to understand that although we hesitate to use actual ages, let's say from one's mid to late 40s to one's mid 60s. Let's call that midlife and let's understand first and foremost, there are things going on under the surface. And, you know, just like a teenager's no longer a kid, but they're not an adult, they're in that middle amorphous zone, we too are not, we're no longer our younger selves. We don't have everything open to us. The world is no longer our absolute oyster. Things are limited, but we're not older. We're in this middle zone. It bears some interesting connections with adolescence as that mid zone that can feel very turbulent 
Mm. And in fact, if you look at many, many studies, there's sort of like a U-shaped understanding of life satisfaction that reaches its nadir in adolescence and in midlife. But I think what we're going to talk about is it does not have to be that way. So what I just want to do is just share a little bit about what this developmental stage of midlife is and then bring it back to the two of you to understand just a tiny bit. When you are in your 20s and your 30s and maybe your early 40s, you're in a process that one social scientist called accommodating or uh, Jung calls building your facade. Now, facade sounds super negative, like your persona, your facade, your outer. It sounds very superficial. Not always. It's also building your place in society, building how people perceive you. You're building your family. You're building your business. You're building your presence of how you're perceived outside in the world. So there is an exterior building that's going on. And what happens when you build up that exterior, what I do how I'm perceived in the outside world is you tend to bury some of the deeper aspects of identity, who you really are, or what you really, really want deep down. Those things tend to get a little bit buried. And what midlife really is, is the facade or the persona, it doesn't matter as much to us. Our children are grown. They don't need us in the same way. We still may be working, but we're not as competitive. We become less focused on building our exterior and all of a sudden the interior starts to weigh more. It starts to become more important to us. So questions like, what's life about? Mm. What's my life purpose? How do I seek meaning in this world? What's next for me? Those deeper questions come up and bubble up. And back to Eve's original question of crisis or opportunity, if it bubbles up without consciousness, without doing the work, it can feel like a real serious crisis. Mm. Or just staying with the status quo of the persona or the facade can also feel like a crisis. That's where the depression and the listlessness and the emptiness comes in. What makes midlife the best time of your life is when you grasp onto that letting go of the persona and you seize the deeper stuff and say, what do I want? How do I live in the most awesome, meaningful way, but not in an external way, but from the inside? That's why we say it's not just a cute little cliche. Midlife really can be the best time in your life. If you handle the process with consciousness, it can be the most authentic, the most vibrant. You can feel the most like you, your deepest soul-based self. And that's why we say it really can be, and it even should be the best time in your life. That's just a little bit about the developmental stage. So appropriate how it's all timed that around that age, let's say your physical appearance or your body starts to age and mm -hmm. starts to change and you're noticing, you know, gray hairs and sagging skin and all of that inevitable right. stuff, right? And we live in a Botox world where you just have to like fix it, you know, like get it plastic surgery and just get it fixed, be young, be youthful. But that is kind of counter productive in a way to the acceptance, to the stepping into it gracefully, 
like you know holding on to it's the greatest gift to age we want to be old we want to we want to live long lives we don't want to be 20 forever we want to step into this new phase with holding on to it and really embracing it i think that's probably where a lot of the crisis starts predominantly for women there's no question and i think it's important to say we also want to look good and that's human and that's a human god-given drive and you know it is important to understand this midlife is not our grandmother's midlife mm -hmm. you know our grandma was our age, she was winding down. But we can be running marathons, not that I am. <laughs> I don't think I can speak for the two of us, we're not. But we can be running marathons, we can even be at the peak of our career. But the more authentic stuff needs to come to the surface. So you're right, Eve, the physical plays a huge component. Right. I just wanted to add to that. You spoke so beautifully, Ali, but a lot of it is about how we're defining ourselves. We have been defining ourselves from the outside in for many years. It's about our roles and the ways that we've defined ourselves in our roles as wives, as mothers, as career professionals. But all of those definitions are very much from the outside in. So this is the opportunity that Ali's speaking about to redefine ourselves from the inside out, to come from a place where we're defining ourselves based on more of an internal understanding of what drives us, our values, our beliefs, examining our beliefs. All of these things is about changing the way we're experiencing life. It's a shifting gears. It's a redefining our experience of the world, which is not a small task, but it's an exciting one. Mm, wow. I'm seeing that there's that physical side that is changing. And then from a Jewish point of view, when you reach 40, that is a milestone for knowledge. That's like, that's when you could really have depth and understanding in a way that you've never had until now. We know that the Zohar, the Kabbalistic teachings, we're not supposed to read them until we're 40 years old, just because we can't fully get it. Without having 40 years of life experience, we can't right. really do it properly. There's some things are going down and some things are going up. It's not, not bad, not good. It's this new awakening of this totally new I would say the next chapter. The next chapter. It's so powerful. And I think just back to the physical, because I think that plays so predominantly in the consciousness of women, you should look good. I mean, that's a Jewish value. It matters. I think the essence of the issue is, like Sarah was saying, mm -hmm. outside in versus inside out. When you think about it, God gives you a gift called aging. What's the gift of aging? It's the weaning of identifying with one's externals. Hmm. So, you know, I just have a funny story about that. So my daughter got married and we got the pictures and everyone says, oh, she looks stunning and you look good. <laughs> stunning, good. But after I had this funny experience, I thought about it and I said, that's exactly what it should be. That as we come into our own, as Sarah said so powerfully, from the inside, there has to be a weaning of total identification with the external. And so from a Judaic perspective, God gives us the gift of aging. So we will define ourselves increasingly with soul and decreasingly right. with body. And as it should be, because by the time we live our ripe life and we are ready to leave this world, we want to have the deep satisfaction of a life lived from the soul. 
from a spiritual perspective, this is part of the process. So like Sarah said, this is the inside out process. But I just like to add that I think what's very, very important for our coaching is that it's not therapy. And it is a very important distinction because at the end of the day, what we're trying to do with ourselves and with other women is really pull out their wisdom about their next steps, about their goals, that their goals should really be a reflection of what they truly, truly want internally, not what they think they should want or what people are telling them they should want or what society tells them they should want, but to get to that place where they know what's really next for them, what they truly want, and then really help them lay the groundwork for getting there. Coaching is to simplify and simplify some more. Let's say therapy is going back to live healthier now. And I would say that coaching to simplify is to understand yourself now so that you can lay the groundwork for your most vibrant future. What I love about coaches, and I've worked with some incredible coaches, a good coach will pull the answers out of you. That's mm -hmm. right. You're never going to tell someone what choices to make. Ask them the right questions and help them dig into themselves. Because really, we have the answers within us. We all right. know deep down, but we need a little help. Very critical distinction. It's really important to know that the coaches are not the expert in anybody's life. That's another distinction between therapy and coaching. I think we certainly have a body of knowledge, but it's really about holding up a mirror to people. It's really about inviting people into a conversation where they can see their own thinking and they can understand themselves better. And we're really guides, you know, just the guide into other people's internal world so that we kind of are allowing people to see and hear their thinking and their knowledge of themselves in a deeper way. But the belief is it's absolutely, each person is completely whole. Every soul that we're talking to is a healthy, whole soul. And our job is to really point people to that, that recognition that we honor you in your wholeness and we want to help you see it. Oh, that's amazing. I want to share with the two of you. I'll be your first project. I was 20 years old when I got married. I was 22 when I was blessed with my first child. And then life really started. In many ways, it was a very new chapter. And for 12 years straight, I was pregnant and nursing and always in a state of, oh, can I handle this? Is this what I want? It was a huge responsibility. I was living in a different country. I was in Israel with no family, no support, very little. My siblings were in Canada. I remember during those years telling myself, Eve, you're gonna get through this. This is hard. You're in the crunch. This is probably the hardest part of this parenting and child rearing. You're probably in the thick of it. You're gonna get through this. And one day you're gonna be 40. I had this picture, I don't know where it came from, but I had this image of like being 40 and being like, oh, relax. Now that I'm 40, I look back and I wonder why did I wish away these years? Why was I so in a rush to get to this place of being 40? Mm. Now that I'm 40, I'm looking back and I'm saying, I wish it went slower. I wish I could have been more present in it. And here I am and I'm seeing, no, I want a few more years, like a few more years. I just thought things would go differently in a way. So I guess my question for you, ladies, is where does the work start? How do you jump into this? There is regret. There's scar tissues. We don't need to go into it. And I know that life coaching is very much about just moving forward, which is so helpful and so positive. We don't need to go back. We don't need to harbor on the past. But here I am at this juncture and I'm feeling unresolved. I'm feeling like maybe I should have done things differently. 
how can I take that now and just move forward with it, with it all, the package deal, what I've made with the last four decades of my life? I read somewhere that suffering can be measured by the difference between where you are now and where you want things to be. So of course there's motivation in there as well, but it's this idea that if we're either in our heads looking backwards or in our heads worrying about the future, that we can't fully embrace the moment. And I think that's what you're speaking to Eve. It's how do we slow down life enough to be in this moment with ourselves? And that's the work. I mean, it's deceptively simple work really, but it's a lot about just learning how to slow down and take pauses. I think that's something that Allie and I talk about and for me, it's really changed my life and the way I'm approaching my life is recognizing when I get sped up, either in looking back or looking forward and recognizing in this moment, I can pause and I can breathe and I can notice. It's a deceptively simple formula, but it is the formula for being in the present. Beautiful. So, I mean, it certainly borrows from mindfulness. Mindfulness is a practice. And I guess this is a practice too, but it's really something, it's a muscle that we develop. And it begins with, I think, those three things, pausing, breathing, and noticing. Sarah keeps using the word deceptively simple. I think that's a beautiful way of saying it. There is so much, but it's deceptively simple because there's just a unity to all of it. And I just wanted to comment on one thing of what you talked about, about coaching being forward moving. I do want to tell the women who are listening and you too, Eve, there is, we call it necessary dipping. I'm going to simplify this here, but again, let's keep our deceptively simple theme. What happens in the past is often that usually when we're children, we formulate beliefs about ourselves in the world. And I'm sure many of you who are listening right now have heard the word limiting beliefs. But what are they? They're really like beliefs about self and world that are formed in critical formative years of childhood that serve some sort of purpose in childhood. But as we get older, they no longer serve us, but we hold on to them. I mean, every single person has these limiting beliefs, and you don't see them. It's like if you imagine water, and there's a little bit of ice above the water, and underneath is an iceberg. Limiting beliefs are your iceberg. So you can have a goal, I want to diet, I want to do this, I want to write this book, I want to whatever, I, I have this stated goal. But in fact, why do we sabotage goals so often? Because underneath the surface of the water, there's something we're even more committed to, or there's something that trips us up even more. And that's the iceberg of our lives, which are our limiting beliefs. Those are beliefs that are formed usually in childhood. I have so many tender and almost absurd and funny limiting beliefs that came from childhood experiences. I'm 50 years old. They still trigger me now. I mean, for me, it's like tender and vulnerable, but it's so funny. It's like so 70s. Do you guys remember Indian Earth? But it was the orange powder, right? I grew up with acute eczema, childhood eczema, all over me. And every morning I'd put lots of foundation on and I'd, and I'd put all this Indian Earth on and my mother would say, it's time for school. And I was so embarrassed by my physical presence. So every time I saw someone, I would look down. Now I'm 50, I really am confident. I'm doing great things. When I see someone in a supermarket, my immediate instinct is to look down. Now that's after doing much, a lot of work and I'm 50 years old. And But that's the power of belief that to a certain degree, I was filled with orange paint, right? So it served me at that time. 
to look down. Like it was a protective mechanism, but to look down now? So limiting beliefs, they usually start with I'm not and they end with enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not capable enough. I can't do it. And it usually comes from then. So back to the original forward moving, coaches have to dip. You have to dip into the past in order to extract the limiting belief so that the client can hold it under a microscope and say, what is this belief? Is it real? And then I like to say like gently disproving, which is proving through small actions, disproving this limiting belief. I actually am smart enough. And here's how I was smart enough today. And here's how I was smart enough yesterday. And here's how I like to be smart enough this week. When you understand what the idea is and you put it under a microscope and you say, is this belief? Does this belief serve me anymore? And if not, it's time to disprove it. It's time to let it go. It's time to say goodbye to it. It doesn't serve me anymore. So I, I'm just gonna share with the group. I literally, when I see someone in the market, I say, keep your head up, Allie, and smile and say, hi, Susie, it is work for me. Wow. And that's from childhood. And it's that important to say, what were the formidable experiences that I had that really shaped what I believe about myself and my world. And, you know, something to think about, just think about how you trip yourself up. What's the soup you keep falling into again and again and again? Try to think about what trips you up in your day-to-day -day life, under, in your relationships, if you're married, maybe in your marriage, and ask yourself, you know, what could a belief, what might my belief be about myself and the world? And that's one of the things that is so powerful to do in coaching, because when a person mm -hmm. can really identify and let go and disprove a limiting belief, they're freed up to imagine bigger, to set mm -hmm. authentic goals and to go for it. But I say that if you don't do that work, you'll sabotage those goals, which is why we sabotage goals so often again and again and again, because we see the ice, we don't see the iceberg and we don't know why we're getting tripped up. So it's that's just, that's a piece of the work. Thank you. Sarah, I'm so curious. You've been working with geriatrics for quite a long time. When people don't do this work, when people kind of avoid this important stage, this embracing of what's to come, of who they are, how does it look down the road? Do you see people that are feeling unfulfilled or bitter? It must be so sad because at that point, I don't know if there is, could you do this work with an elderly person at that stage? That's a great question. I mean, I think that growth is possible at any age for sure. But, you know, as Ali pointed out in the beginning of our discussion, it's helpful to do the work now at midlife to set yourself up for a successful rest of your life. So when I am talking about working with people, it's, it's less about working with people in geriatrics, but their kids and their caregivers. And caregiving is a whole nother conversation because one can become so enveloped in their role identification as a caregiver. So the work is about pointing to what Ali's talking about. It's looking at how you've kind of created the constructs of your life. And what we do as coaches is we take people's stories. People come to us with their stories. And our jobs as coaches is to listen for the themes that Allie's talking about. Those icebergs are their themes and they play out in so many different areas in their life. So our ears are attuned to not the story, but the underlying themes, the underlying beliefs, the underlying values and helping point people to those because when people understand where they're coming from and what those values are and what's really important, you can take any 
challenging life situation. Caregiving is one of them. And be empowered by what you're bringing to the situation. It doesn't mean that it's not hard. But I think when we start to look at our gifts, each one of us has select gifts. When somebody validates them through listening really well and repeating them back and helping people see themselves differently and recognize their strengths, then then you're giving people the opportunity to really celebrate what it is that they're meant to be doing in this world. It's life purpose work. It's helping people understand through that mirror you're holding up what their value are and what their life purpose. Again, pointing back to that, we're all here for a purpose and helping people discover that purpose. Eve, I just wanted to touch for a moment, connected to what Sarah is saying about your recognition of the regrets at 40. And I think that, you know, what just one thing that comes to my mind is that in general, as human beings, we run from pain. We are pain avoidant. But there's very little growth without pain. Even if you study the life of a bug, <laughs> there's literally a molting or a shedding, a painful process that has to take place in order for the bug to expand and grow. Or of course, there's the metaphor of the caterpillar that has to literally melt into itself in order to become a butterfly. But just let's use your tender regret at 40 that you didn't seize the beauty of the time you were in. In our culture, we would run from that. So we would just go on our phones or you know, we would just like eat or whatever we would do. We would kind of like avoid that feeling in the body of regret. But what we're talking about really, you know, is understanding this is part of my process of growing. And I can, I think what Sarah said of just kind of pausing and breathing, simply noticing, I feel regret. I feel mm -hmm. regret. It's okay. It's all right to feel regret. I have a lot of regret for my level of presentness as a mom in my earlier years and just allowing that feeling. So we're moving from being pain avoidant and stuffing it with other stuff in order to avoid it, making it worse to allowing it, inviting it in, noticing it, and then using it to build, expand and grow. Mm -hmm. There is very little growth without pain. Of course, on Rosh Hashanah, we dive into God, we pray to God and we say, let us grow without pain below chalayim raim, without terrible things. But the reality is we don't want terrible things, but we're going to feel necessary losses, to quote Judith Borst, and we're gonna feel necessary pain. And that's good, it's part of the molting process. It's part of the expanded self. So to allow it through this simply noticing, like Sarah's saying, the breathing and the pausing and the simply noticing and allowing mm -hmm. the feeling. If we resist it, it persists, as they say, if we allow it in, then it actually becomes a tool for our expansion, for our growth. And that's exciting. It's not always easy. For some people, it may be a crisis, but it's the seeds of our growth into our full selves. And that's why it's really our best life. Yeah. Wow. Can I just add one thing to that? You know, in this idea of regret, using regret as a theme, I think it's also important to point out that we're so conditioned to ask why. Why am I in regret? kind of investigating it, analyzing it. But what we want to point to is not the why, but the what. What purpose does it serve me? Mm, right. So important. Recently, I've been digging into our photo albums. We have so many photo albums from the first decade of my marriage and 
our younger years living in Israel. And it's an emotional experience. Like I'm flipping through these pages and I'm seeing myself holding my firstborn and all my little kids and their brisses and all these milestones. And I look at the pictures and I kind of put myself in the headspace of that 22-year-old girl or that 27-year-old girl that just felt like so bogged down or so not content possibly at times and angst. I put myself in their head and I, I remember I was never happy with my physical state. I always felt like, come on Eve, you could get back to your pre-pregnancy weight. You could get yourself together. You could go finish your master's degree. Like I was never happy at any stage I was always like it could be better but now at this stage when I look back all I see is you're so beautiful mm. you're so together look at you like you were living in a foreign country not speaking the language working on the side trying your best like I just wish I could go back to that young girl and tell her mm. you're great and yes we don't want to harbor on the past but if anything, if it could teach me one thing, it's right now, today, at this stage, when I look in the mirror to say, you're great, and not see all the wrinkles and so many gray hairs and <laughs> just all the, the things that are not looking as I wish they would. So it's just like taking that and saying, I'm gonna make it different moving forward. I don't want to always lead my life looking back saying, oh, I don't want that anymore. I might even ask you in a coaching session to visualize yourself at 50 and really embrace a visualization of Eve at 50 hmm. and what the Eve at 50 might tell the Eve at 40 about what she needs to do to live her best life. Wow. And after bringing you through that visualization, I might ask you what Eva 50 told you and help you kind of identify and extract lessons that you can formulate into meaningful goals for your life now. What, she, what did she tell you and what can you do about it moving forward? Because mm. your 40-year-old self is telling your 27-year-old self, enjoy your imperfection enjoy your vulnerability enjoy the way you look and who you enjoy your marriage enjoy it and mm -hmm. and she's telling you certain she was telling her certain things yeah. so if we had the time i mean not here but in, in a private coaching i would have you visualize eva 50 and let her teach you how you best want to live out this stage of your life that's what's coming to my mind wow that's very powerful we have friends in common, Adrienne Gold, and she's been such a role model for many, many women, thousands and thousands of women. And something that I love about her is she gets up on the stage and she says, I have never felt as beautiful as I, I do it. today at 62 years old, right? And she really means it. Like you really, really feel it. It's this acceptance, this confidence that in my opinion, confidence is beauty. What a she's lesson. a great role model for midlife, not because she's so big and famous, you know, not because she's Adrian, but because she has embraced her true self yeah. and she's let that shine forward in that way. She's a role model. Just, and I love it. I, I, I was there when she would say that. And I just, now I get it. I think my younger self, when I saw her speaking, I just thought it was cute. Now I understand exactly what she meant. I'm more beautiful now than I've ever been in my life. 
Right. And I don't know her as well as you women do, but what I would guess about her process is that in her younger years, she was very much attached to who she was on the outside. Um, wasn't she like a, a television producer? Fashion and fashionista. And <laughs> right. Really attached to that image. And now she's embraced her, her authentic self. And that's what gives her a confidence. It's such a different kind of confidence. And that's what I think you're seeing her exude on stage. Maybe we should put her on the front of our website. <laughs> you could quote her. You could quote I think I should, we should. We should, Sarah. Yeah. You know, and also, Ali, like to quote another momentum trip leader, Neely Cousins, one of her very famous parables that she uses in her class on self-esteem and body image, she says that the body is just the scuba suit for the soul. That's right. Mm -hmm. And that's also something that I'm hearing with the work that you're doing. You're trying to really show women to hold up a mirror to their true selves. Like take away the emphasis from the facade or the, the scuba suit. Because that's not the icker, the most important part of who you are. If a person still identifies with the aging scuba suit, again, I want to qualify this by saying women want to look and feel good and well. This is natural. It's the way we're created and we should own it. But at the end of the day, we have to contextualize it. It is our scuba suit. If I identify it with the essence of ourselves, then when the scuba suit really wears down in older age, that's when we'll live with difficult qualities like despair and, and those qualities that come from not identifying with the real self in mm. the earlier years. So this is really, not only does this create our best life now as women in midlife, but it really is laying the groundwork for the rest of our life. And, and even though we might kind of deny that rest of our life and not let ourselves think about it that much, it, it, it's worth thinking about it because it's incredibly important. And, um, you know, and so this is, this is truly like, I, I don't know, like, I, I keep going, I go back to the beginning, which is like, I'm so, so psyched we niched in this area. It is such a valuable right. area. Powerful. Very powerful work. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it's, uh, you know, as you said, so simple, really just simple, simple tools and, and mind shifts. Mm -hmm. Maybe if, if one, if a woman would, or a man, anyone would be spending X amount of time on their exterior world, going to the gym or what, whatever, building themselves up. We might want to consider also setting aside maybe even partial of that amount of time to building this internal world. Mm -hmm. I think it's just out of balance. Mm -hmm. Our bodies, they, they make so much noise, like feed me, I'm tired, I'm hungry, I'm fetchy, I need to do this, I need to build myself up. The body, a kind of outshines the soul and it's just putting it back into focus that the soul has needs and the more we build that soul and that beautiful internal part of ourselves the better we're going to be off when we're 70 80 90 100 120 we want to really develop ourselves and get to that place at the end of our life where we're giving god this developed person giving god our actualized selves abraham when the angels call out in our commentary say the Abraham below, the Abraham in this world was so actualized, hmm. he was like the ideal Abraham above. That uh, the goal of our life is to actualize our potential through our challenges. So we wanna give God, Admeva Estream, until 120, we should live and be well. We wanna give to God our idealized selves. You created me with latent potential. I extracted it and I did something with it. And that's life. Like that's a life fully lived. 
Yeah, so beautiful. Thank you. I want to thank you both. Tell us a little bit how we could find your yeah. website. Sarah, you want to tell? We're EdenLifeCoaching.org. You guys have a great website. There's so much there. It's beautifully done. Mazel tov. I'm excited. We just want to say, Eve, we want to put in our little infomercial here, but it's an infomercial from our hearts. We don't really, this is truly from our hearts. We offer a 20 minute complimentary consultation where you can speak with one of us, test the waters, see if it's a good chemistry or if it brings out what you really want to work on. There is no commitment. You just have 20 minutes to share just a bit about yourself for us to hear and talk to you just a bit about coaching. I just, I think Sarah, I speak for both of us. Take that opportunity. Take your 20 minute free consultation. It's, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. When you sign up for a coaching session, is it with the both of you together or is no, it? Never. No, one of us, only one of us. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I love how on the website there's about you and about Sarah And it also shows that you have different qualities. Mm -hmm. So I think for everyone that is looking for a coach, they could kind of hear like you describe yourself and it's like, you are two very different sisters, clearly Mm -hmm. with the same mission. But I think it's nice that people could choose which one they feel more pulled towards working with. Beautiful gift. I just want to say, we're going to call it Two Sisters Life Coaching, but someone told us it sounded like a bakery. Two Sisters Bakery. So we do the one-on-one coaching, but also the group coaching is an opportunity to develop community with other people who are in this process with you. And it's very supportive and very inspiring to be around a group of women working on themselves in this way. So, yeah. Wow. I could just imagine this could develop into women's retreats. Thank you for doing this work. It's so necessary. It's so needed in the world. There's, there's a third for this. There really is. Such a thirst for, for I, I work with women, so I only know the women that I work with, that women want to find themselves. And I think it's a part mm-hmm. of our mission in life yep. is to really toil and struggle and do the work to find ourselves. This is part of our mission. So you, you two ladies, like making it so accessible, so mm-hmm. easy to jump in. You guys are so warm and inviting. I mean, this is, it makes it fun to do the work. <laughs> it's partnership, it's friendship. They, that's one more plug about coaching is it's very transparent. We're real people. There's not a power imbalance here. We're just your friend to kind of walk you through this process, but it, it is, it's exciting and it's fun. And we're very grateful. People giving us this platform. How amazing. We're just, you know, we're starting this company and to have a platform like this, it's awesome. Oh, okay. Well, we, we should always work together. You know, we're all working for this the same boss, yes. <laughs> Kevin, same boss. and there's lots of people that need this. So thank you so, so much. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is an opportunity of a lifetime just to step into the new chapter with a lot of positivity and excitement, yeah. just energy. Like, I just feel like I was kind of being schlepped into it. Like, no, yeah. I'm not ready, but no, I think I'm going to just reset over here and embrace So thank you so much. This was so helpful and I hope it will help many others. Thank you, Eve. Thanks, Sarah. This was great. Thank you, Eve. Bye, lady. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening. We value that you are a part of our community. Be sure to check out our other podcast episodes and to learn more about the work that we do at Inspired Jewish Women, please check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and on our website at www.inspiredjewishwomen.com. Notice that we use the word woman and not woman 
in plural because Jewish women are most powerful when we bond together and we together can create amazing positive changes in the world. Bye for now. Hope to see you again soon so we could continue this conversation.